everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We have a wild and crazy show for you today, so I'm mm-hmm. going to get right into it. Of course, we're going to be joined by Mitch Berliner, the one of the co-founders of Central Farm Markets. And we're going to talk about what's at market this week, of course. And this is Farmer's Market Week. Mm-hmm. In, across the country, so we're going to discuss that. Todd Thrasher is an old buddy of yours, ours. We've known him for 14, 15 years. He's the founder of Potomac Distilling Company, which is an urban distillery that produces Thrasher's rum. Todd has a thing for rum, mm-hmm. and he's in uh, pouring Polynesian-inspired drinks. Because yeah. it's rum. Yeah, and I hope you have some umbrellas. So anyways, we got to keep going, but Todd's going to be talking to us about his rum uh, D.C. native Michael Twitty is the author of the groundbreaking uh, and James Beard award-winning family history and cookbook, The Cooking Gene, and he's got a new book, Kosher Soul, The Faith and Food Journey of an Afri- African-American Jew. Uh, it's a real, it's a, it's a travelogue, really, of his family history and the impact of enslaved Americans on cooking practices, and what we eat and how we eat, and agriculture in the American South, and Michael joins us shortly, and you're definitely going to want to stay in for that, and... Fairfax City Restaurant Week is coming up August 29th. Mm-hmm. Um, it shines a spotlight on a really unbelievable span of cuisines and ethnicities represented by the restaurants out there. We were just out there last week. and There are so many you different can't cuisines. Name, the only thing I didn't see was a Martian restaurant. Uh, but today we're putting a spotlight on Bollywood Bistro and its executive chef Sunil Bastola. He's going to, in fact, he's going to feed us. We'll tell you all about that. And also Kathleen Paley, who's commissioner of the Fairfax City Economic Development Authority, is on with us as well. She'll give she'll give us the important business side mm-hmm. of Fairfax uh, City Restaurant Week. And who don't love pizza? I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we know, we know that Mark Hembach, who's general manager of Fireworks Pizza, pizza Cascades out in Sterling, certainly does. Uh, he's going to join us later to talk about how his store serves goodness in the community, not just pizza, but they're very community oriented. Right, they do a we love that. Hour. Yeah. A yappy hour. I'm all for that. Mm, you're yappy. I love bringing my dog to dinner. Oh, I thought it was for you. Okay. <laughs> so let's go to... Wow. There's your this, comedy. This is a comedy show, but a bing, but a boom. All okay. right. So let's go to Mitch. Mitch, Farmer's Market yes, Week. Well, Talk to us about that a little. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm always happy to be on a comedy show. A lot of people think I'm funny. Everybody does. Just funny looking. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Anyway, um, where is... Uh, this is the time of year, folks, to really honor the farmers markets. Uh, the national focus is on mm-hmm. farmers market week, and of course, at Central Farm Markets, we always make a big deal about it. We actually have dancing DJs, and we are giving away farm to table cookbooks by Jonathan uh, Barzak, who's our resident chef, uh, who does demos at the markets. We're giving away hundreds of insulated bags. And some gift certificates. Whoa. So we're really celebrating the fact that we're connecting local farmers with the communities around here. So what are we looking for at the market this week? I mean, right, because we're at what, the height of market. What's fresh? Oh, aside from got, you, it's it's a melon bonanza. Mm. We've probably got a half a dozen kinds of watermelons, canary melons, Crenshaws, whole bunch of different varieties of cantaloupes. Mm. Uh, and of Do you course, have those little pizza. cantaloupes? We picked up last week little these little tiny cantaloupes, and they were like yes. oh the size of softballs. Yeah. They're delicious. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like yes. sugar. I love those. Mm-hmm. I love those. But also try some of the different ones, canaries, mm-hmm. crenshaws. They're so you. I have to mention, this is height of the peach season. The freestones are now in. Mm-hmm. Freestone peaches, freestone nectarines, all kinds of plums. And we still got plenty of berries, blackberries. Red raspberries, golden raspberries, uh, blueberries, you name I love golden raspberries. All right, Mitch, tell everybody, please, where we can find you. Sure. Thank you. You can find us year-round on Sundays at High School Parking Lot of George Marshall School. You can find us downtown Bethesda mm-hmm. temporarily at 7155 Wisconsin Avenue. And we got our Saturday markets at Pike and Rose. Mm. And the new one at Half Street, right in front of the Nats Stadium 
uh, between M and N. Come and visit the Central Farm Market. All right, Mitch. Thanks Thanks, so much. Thank you. We'll see you down at the stadium. All right, buddy. Thanks. All right, so... All right, that lovely sound you're hearing is the sound of our friend Todd Thrasher, mm-hmm. the master of rum, the rum master. Okay, but shaking wait up a, a cocktail, but He is the master of more than rum. He is the master of mixologist. He is the master of rum now, but when we first met Todd, which is like 15 16 years, years ago? ago? When I was young. When you were young, when we were all young, honey. Um, you were behind the bar at PX, which was the very first speakeasy in the D.C. metro area at Alexandria. It was so exclusive, I couldn't get in. Yeah, you couldn't get in, but I could. Yeah. <laughs> and if you could get in, but you could not. <laughs> no, Shut up, exactly. Todd. So, Todd, come sit. Stop pouring your drinks. We'll right. get to that. Tell us about how, like, you're just, give everybody your 411 and your how journey. you went from, you know, being this, like, master mixer to having your own distillery. All right, how much time you got? No, We don't have that much time. Okay, great, thanks. Mm -hmm. Um, Purposefully. So, so, you know, as you said, you know, I used to be, have PX, and we had a bunch of different bars and restaurants in Old Town Alexandria years and years ago. But the whole process started in 2010. I was uh, sitting at a bar in Wellington, New Zealand called the Motel Bar. And um, the only way you could gain access to this bar was to bring a bottle of spirit from where you come from in the world. So I brought him a bottle of Catoctin Creek Rye, and I bought a bottle of Abraham Bowman whiskey or something. I don't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went there for a cocktail competition called the 42 Below World Cup of Cocktails. Uh, and I won the mm-hmm. whole thing because I'm good. Because he's I was good. I was a good bartender. And, and now, uh, you know, it's average at best. And so self-effacing. Yeah. Yes. So um, we were sitting there, and there was a bottle of Machu Pisco, a Pisco that's made in Peru. Obviously, it comes from Peru. But it's made by a lady named Melanie Asher who is here in Washington, D.C. She's Peruvian, but she goes back once a year. She makes her lot of, of Pisco, and then she comes back to, to the States and sells here in D.C. And I thought to myself, how cool would it be to have something that you make halfway across the world being sold? And, you know, a little bit of an egomaniac because I want to put my name on it, right? And right. leave a legacy. But that's how the whole thing started. I came back, <clears throat> and, you know, I still had PX and the other restaurants. And uh, Monty Hoffman from The Wharf uh, – I had a meeting with him, and they wanted me to put PX down there. And I was so done with PX because PX was really good for my ego, but that was about it. It didn't make any money. Well, not only that, I think PX time had come. There were and now gone. you weren't the first <laughs> right. speakeasy that, and you know, and the there was a huge change, a huge shift in drinks, right? And I mean, distilleries and all of it. Like if you think of. 20 years ago in the D.C. That's market, where it started to blossom. you know, like Contacton Creek is such a great example right. of, you know, all these distilleries, wineries, breweries that are now that weren't here 20 years right. ago. 100%. So same thing with sort of this uh, dedication to bartenders, right? And mixology. You know, we have Silver Lion. We have, you know, Derek Brown, like all these people. Well, not yeah, anymore. Who? Not anymore. But well, uh, your ego. I know. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I love Derek. Of course you do. But you know what I'm saying. There was a real shift, and it you were the start of it. And and I want to say that but I don't know that you were part of the inspiration, but we now have a very accomplished mixologist in the family. Sam Nellis is at Silver Lion. Silver Lion. Oh no way! I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. So That's yeah, awesome. I have to go check it out. Look at that. They sell my rum. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, they do. All right. Yeah. On that note, so, what are we pouring first? So. Um, I can't say it because I'm going to get dropped. Yeah, I'm going to get beeped. Can I say it? And you just drop me? No. 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 Okay. It's called F asterisk asterisk asterisk. Uh huh. F asterisk asterisk asterisk. F asterisk asterisk asterisk. I think that's what I said last night. (laughs) (laughs) All right. While you're pouring that. Did you just say fork, fork, fork? (laughs) All right. All right. Let's get, let's get serious. Michael Twitty. On the line with us is a really fascinating guy. He's mm-hmm. a two-time James Beard Award winner. He's a masterclass teacher. He's part of the TED world. Uh, Michael Twitty is uh, author, of course, of the best-selling book, The Cooking Gene. We're going to talk about that. And he has a new book out Kosher called Kosher Soul. Soul, The Faith and Food Journey of an African-American Jew, which is absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. So, Michael, welcome to the show. Um Rather than having us tell everybody about you, give us a, a little quick 411 on you and how all this sort of came to pass. Right. Um, you know, my food thing is that there are so many different roles to play mm-hmm. in food media. Um, who gets to inform the rest of us about the import of food, food stories, food history, 
um, culinary legacies are the folks like me who spend a lot of time researching, interviewing people, thinking about this. Because no, you know, you know, not one, sh- no, no one chef or proprietor can do all that by themselves. Right. It's really, it really depends on all of us doing our part. So the cooking gene came from a project called the Southern Discomfort Tour. Which, which is a brilliant title, it by the way. Br- I mean, I'm sure you've been told that, yeah. but it is really brilliant. Well, I was like, it was like 2011, 2012. I didn't know where the money was going to come from. Mm-hmm. My then partner suggested crowdfunding. It worked. Mm. And that project uh, morphed into a book after the infamous Paula Dean incident. Oh, was so that Paula was Dean, that part of the inspiration? Um, it was sort of a, I could, I could speak to things like that from experience. Mm. Um, so I basically said to Paul and the world, you're putting so much emphasis on what she said, as opposed to how to change things for the better. Mm, and after that letter went viral, I went from having no idea what the, what the, um, Southern Discomfort Tour would be into making it into a book, The Cooking Team. And got an agent. <laughs> I've had 12 agents call me overnight. Mm-hmm. Got an agent. And my agent happens to be the same agent who worked with James Eagleman, who did 97 Orchard, mm. um, about the food history of the Tenement Museum. And um, that was that, you know. Um, I'm a living history interpreter, not a reenactor. I've worked a lot with Colonial Williamsburg, but a lot of other sites as well. And um, I really value the stories of my ancestors and try to bring them alive, bring them to life. And the well, cooking gene, of course, traced my ancestry from Africa to America, from slavery to freedom. Mm-hmm. So we relied a lot on ge- genetic genealogy, um, standard genealogy, food history, culinary history, and um, just kind of like contemporary reflections on... Um, our present state. Well, the thing I want to add in here, because you are you're about as much a Renaissance man as we've ever had on the show. But you you're you're an openly uh, gay, you're black food enthusiast, and you're into Southern food. But you're also Jewish, and uh, how did all of that play in? I mean, you're folding a lot of things into your world. So how did that well, happen? Well, you know, or it's well, who like you are. <laughs> well, unless your it's father you was are. a rabbi, I'm you know. <laughs> I think it's I think it's really important for people to realize we are all intersectional. We are all border crossers. We are all multicultural. Um and you know, I'm I'm sure a lot of people don't think about the different master identities as being particularly interesting. But if you compare them to say, for example, the life of a fourteenth century peasant, um, you're maddeningly excitingly exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we live very different lives. Um, and so for me, all of those things fit together quite well. I mean, to be LGBT, to be Jewish, to be black is to be a survivor mm-hmm. and in the kitchen to use food and the aesthetics of food, not only survive, but thrive, but also poke fun. The world that often tries to, um, put us in a derision. I mean, it's, 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 it's actually quite perfect. I mean, those identities for me are toolboxes. You know, not obstructions. I mean, I use them to navigate the world and figure things out and overcome. On that incredible note, what I'd like to do is take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to get into your new book, Kosher Soul, and talk about what the impetus was of that. And uh, I'm stealing a line from the book, but why that book is different from all other books, much like we say it's... (laughs) Manish Tana (laughs) Okay, this is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, everybody, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, and we're talking to Renaissance Man, only way to describe him, Michael Mm -hmm. Twitty. Uh, Michael, we kind of left off... I think you could also say James Beard Award. Oh, and James... Renaissance... Two-time. Renaissance James Beard Award winning, man. Two-time. Michael Twitty, two-time. Michael, well, wait, let me... I want to stay on your on your line of, okay. uh, you know, the whole thing, because you really, what you do is you kind of t- took a mixing bowl and, and took mishbucha and, and, you know, sort of spread it out over across the world, family, tribe, clan. And, you know, we're all, and we're, we're we are all part of a kind of a mixed bag of relationships and, and, you know, D- from DNA to cultural. 
And I, I mean, what's what's impressive, what's interesting is that you made that connection for a lot of people that probably never would. Uh, how did that inform the 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 writing of the new book? So I wanted to have like a a conversation. A friend of mine said to me, "The way you tackle this isn't by writing a dissertation. I want you to take the person reading this book and take them across the kitchen table from you. I want you to do your mise en place. I want you to have a snack, have some tea, spill some tea, <laughs> and really have a deep conversation." And just let, you know, you, you'll flow. Anybody who's had like a little bit of downtime with me um, at a party or a dinner or something knows that they're not going home for quite some time once we sit down and talk. And so it, you're going to sleep over. Flow. I got it. Okay. It's a late yeah, night. It's a late night. <laughs> right. And, and, and I wanted that kind of conversational tone to be present in the book mm-hmm. so that people would not be overwhelmed by, you know, the heaviness I mean, we're talking about the food culture that sits at the intersection of being black and Jewish or Jewish or black, whatever part of the Venn diagram you you find yourself in. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to be able to sit down with someone and go, these are my vulnerabilities. These are my issues. This is my tzuras. This is <laughs> These are my mechayas. Let's talk. Well, and what I you have recipes in this book. How did you take sort of what you grew up with and what was important to you from a culinary standpoint and and add in your different layers now as a uh, part of chatting with people and, and sharing yourself that way. So Kosher Soul is really a blend of very different paths. There's the food of white Jews in the deep South mm-hmm. that was um, essentially innovated by the black women who worked in those households or were neighbors to those people. I mean, I just have to interrupt and say, as a, a woman who grew up in the northern part of the States and who's Jewish, I'm always shocked that there are Jews in the South. <laughs> so. Oh, and, and I'm always shocked that, that there are live Jews in the South, actually. <laughs> Charleston was over, over, you know, was had more Jews than New York mm-hmm. mm. for, for at least a century going. Wow. And Savannah the same. And then New Orleans, Memphis, Galveston, Atlanta, Birmingham, um, Raleigh, Durham, mm-hmm. Hendersonville, North Carolina, which is like, huh? Had a substantial Jewish population. So you have all these little communities, and especially in the Mississippi Delta. Isn't that fascinating? I mean, you can't even think about it, right? Mm-hmm. So where else are these marginalized, depressed people going to go? They're going to seek, you know, out, you know, knowledge of how to be from the other marginalized right. you know, group. And so that's a big thing. But so is, so is the food of African Jews. And so is the food of Jews who are of African descent who live in the Caribbean and Latin America. Um, and so is the food of contemporary African American Jews who kosherize, for lack of a better term, kosherize their soul food traditions. And so you have all of that and then some. Mm-hmm. Vegan, vegetarian, um, you have people who just sort of like mostly do kosher, but sort of do something else. All of those traditions had to be acknowledged in this book. Although We, all the we call are. it kosher light. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me take you in a, a like a slight different, slightly different direction because a lot, a lot of, you know, what the book talks about is how the foods that were, you know, eat, prepared and eaten by enslaved people and some of the vegetables, and spices that they brought from, you know, where they were, you know, brought from where they were taken and brought from um, have worked their way into the common, you know, sort of the, the common lexicon of food. And, mm-hmm. um, and you really focus on that. I mean, listen, while these while these cuisines dovetailed, you didn't have enslaved people making kreplach, you know, but ribs, ri- ribs are a perfect example. I never thought of this, but ribs are, you know, ribs were what was left over from you know the when they butchered an animal and they you know they give those to the enslaved folks um and they had to make something out of it and boy did they ever um but you know the i mean What's the what are the food well the, the question i'm getting to is what are the foods that we're eating now that are out there at restaurants and in our homes that really come out of this kind of melding of of enslavement and and um and culture 
Well, I mean, it's like this. You have um, so many different plants, okra, mm-hmm. right? Melons, hot peppers, peanuts. Some things come from, the, from through the Americas, but essentially they come back into the American cuisine, not as indigenous foods, but as African foods and ingredients prepared in very different ways than they had in the Americas before the Europeans came. That's really important to remember because the Aztecs did not have groundnuts too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Aztecs did not have berbere or shitor or suya. Those are African ways of dealing with um, the same ingredients. Also, for example, there's a dish in a little country called country captain. Mm-hmm. Country captain may use what we call curry powder, but country captain is not a curry. Country captain, in fact, you know how in Indian cuisine, how you toast the spices first? Sure. And then you grind them, put them into the sauce. Well, this is very African. This is an, this is an African woman who has her hands on these Indian spices and chicken and rice. And it's made just like the same kind of way you do with stews in Africa. You, you know, wash the, the, the meat. You, so you have to put the spice on you, let them sit around. You, um, you know... Make you put make the sauce with the onions, the spices, the tomatoes. Then you put your protein back in it and serve it with rice. Right. That's that's it's not, it's not it's like Jamaican curry isn't necessarily Indo Jamaican. It's Afro Jamaican Indian. Well, because the people get right people get it from all over. I was just uh, with the um, African Union's ambassador, and she cooked me up a dish of um, pumpkin leaves. And uh-huh. uh, peanuts, and like um, and peanuts. Yes, exactly. And she basically said that this is on her table. It's her her relish, her salsa. She uses mm-hmm. it. It's it's mixed into everything. It's on the table. It is something that is a part of every meal. She's originally from Zimbabwe, and um, I was fascinated because she like pulled out a tub of like Jiffy peanut butter, and I was like. But at, at home, do you make your own peanut butter? I had so many questions, you know, because it's how things get modernized to today, right? It's a lot. I mean, having been to Sierra Leone mm-hmm. and see how they make the the ground peanuts, yeah, you're much better off the Jif the Jif bottle. Oh, really? Wait, wait, what? <laughs> Is it buggy? In the village, in the village, they'll use any they use anything against the the grinding rock. Mm. And in the people village that I was in, um, no joke, they used a Coke bottle. To grind it? To grind it against the stone. I'm like, mm. hey, y'all, uh, eventually there's going to be little shards of glass in, in here. Um, well, I do kind yeah. of want to go back to your recipes for this book, because how important sure. was you to incorporate that? Because your research in the book is so in depth. So how important was it to include the recipes? So, um, like I said, some of the recipes are definitely from a certain area, a certain time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, when I did the New York times piece, um, um, we weren't, people thought, Oh, you, you innovated this matzo meal fried chicken or this whatever. And I'm like, no guys, these are recipes mm. that would actually die out mm. if we didn't reprint them talk about them, it's because at one point, you had all these cities and communities in the south of Jews that were so huge, or at least very sizable, but then as economic downturns happened, and as conservatism became much more intense, younger Jews in these southern communities were like, we're we're out. We're out, yeah. Yeah. We're not staying here. And so, because of that, three, four generations of of Black IP Kishka and you know, collard green kreplach and matzo fried chicken, other dishes mm-hmm. began to disappear because nobody was eating them anymore. No, I mean, no. if I go to, if I'm, if I pick up from Atlanta and I go to New York and I marry into that community and live in that community, I no longer have the same access to those traditions. Isn't that amazing? Well, listen, Michael, we do have to wrap up. I know you were at the um, Smithsonian last night and you have a bunch of things for your book tour where are you popping up next and where can people find you san francisco at omnivore books mm. um i'm going to atlanta 
at Charis Bookstore. I'll be at the Mississippi Festival of Book. Um, and later in September, I'll be Chicago Humanities Festival, St. Louis. I'll be in New York again, uh, 92nd Y, and be in Philadelphia, the Museum of Jewish History there, and uh, the Boston Jewish Community Center. And I do want to add, I am going to see you in October at the Capital Jewish Museum Festival. Exactly. Um, I think I'm interviewing you. I think we'd like to see you in October at our house for dinner. (laughs) We'll have Shabbat together. All right. Well, listen, Michael, thank you so much. Tell everybody where they can find you. You're prolific on Twitter and Instagram. And the book. Um, your sure. book and uh, your handle, please. My book is all over the usual spots um, and independent bookstores um, at Kosher Soul on Twitter and at The Cooking Gene on Instagram. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today. It was great catching up with you. Thank you. All right. Take Peace care, soon. Michael. Okay, Bye. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. That was some interview with Michael Twitty. It was great. And speaking of some interview, Todd Thrasher's coming back to the microphone. He made us a drink. So the, I, I screwed up. I drank the umbrella. Um, I'm sorry. The drink was terrific. So, Todd, let me ask you a question. Um, you can pass out the drinks afterwards. Um, what made you decide to, of all the spirits that you wanted to do... Why rum, right? Why rum? And I know you, you, know, you got the opportunity... Uh, at the wharf, but you know, why rum? Why was that your go-to? First off, David, you've never invited me for dinner. I'm so upset okay, right you're now. Invited. Unbelievable. You and your wife and anyway, your son. But I have seen you eat, which would be why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so rum. So, Ooh, you know, the uh, scuba diving thing that we've mentioned, yes. you know, my, my passion of scuba diving and mm-hmm. things like that. You don't go to islands in the Caribbean or the South Pacific to drink vodka. Usually what right. you're drinking is rum. So that's kind of how it all started. My love of rum. Uh, the love of diving, the love of being around the islands, mm-hmm. that's what rum. And then, you know, when we started this, when I started this whole idea in 2010, there was a massive hole in the artisanal rum market. There was a lot of vodka on the scene. Gin, Gin. was coming big, right? Uh, bourbon, and now whiskey, right, right? Yeah, so there was kind of this hole in the artisanal rum uh, sector. That's why I picked rum also. But do you think that there's a misconception about rum? Yes, everyone thinks rum is sweet, right? I think they right. think it's sweet. And strong. I think, well, not just... You're no, strong. I think they think it's a sort of one of the throwaway spirits. Like yeah, so, rum and coke. so the pro- well, you've had have you ever had my rum and coke at Tiki? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do it after four o'clock okay. one day. Um uh, I wasn't disparaging rum and coke. Yeah. I was just sort of saying like Well that's a common go to. Yeah, right? So it is. I mean it is. I mean, like let's like Captain Morgan's. Captain Morgan's was actually a real rum. Right, mm-hmm. made in in Puerto Rico uh, until I think like the early '80s. A marketing person from Coca Cola came to the distillery and said, "Hey, let's make something to go with Coca Cola." That's how Captain Morgan Spice Rum started. Amazing. So that it was it is really a legitimate rum before that, and then after that, it, it has become what it is today. Right, so, you know, people think because rum is made with sugar, it's bad for you. So one and a half ounces of vodka has how many calories, Nikki? I have no idea. Ninety-two calories. Okay, thank you. Ninety-two. Okay. Yeah. So. David, this question is for you because I know you're good at math. How many calories does an ounce and a half of rum have? Uh, 24. 92. 92. Oh, yeah, so I knew that. Same thing. Just, so also the one thing with rum is it's the healthiest distilled spirit to drink by itself. If you mix it with Coke or you mix it with stuff like I'm mixing today, no, wait, 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 it's wait. not that healthy. I should take my vitamins in the morning with a shot with of a rum? With a shot of rum, yeah. Nice. Okay. yeah. Before we get there, tell us what you poured next so and we'll come back to you. This is called the Honolulu Cocktail. It comes with my green spice rum, mm. uh, gin, pineapple, apricot, Angostura bitters. Ooh, it's beautiful. So rum, high in probiotics. Molasses, super high in probiotics. Once you go through fermentation, it kind of kick starts the probiotics. So drink rum straight. Okay, probiotics. He's I'll irrepressible. I'll take my probiotic pills. I'll just take a shot of rum. All right. And speaking right. of taking a shot of rum, this is Kathleen. a bad segue. Let's talk about Fairfax City Restaurant Week, where you can probably take a shot of rum somewhere. Well, how about if I break into that? Why so, don't you? Um, Fairfax City Restaurant Week is coming up uh, at the end of the month. But what's really interesting about Fairfax City is how diverse the region is. It's this darling little town, and there are so many different kinds of cuisines there. And well, we're going to let Kathleen Paley tell you all about it. Hey, Kathleen, how are you? Thanks for joining us today. Oh, oh, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So Kathleen is the commissioner of the Fairfax City Economic Development Authority, which is a mouthful, but basically she's the chief business person for bringing business to Fairfax City. Is that a good way of describing you? 
<laughs> well, we have more experts in the field, but I am the chief volunteer, you could mm, say. Okay. One of the citizens of Fairfax City who's just a real enthusiast about our town and loves to have the opportunity to tell you about all the cool stuff that we have going on. Well, well, let's talk about, before we get into the delicious food that we have in studio, let's talk about all the cool stuff that's going on because it is a darling little town. It is worth, like, if you live in the city or if you live on the other side of the river, like some people do, um, it is worth an exploration. So let's give everybody a little bit of info about it. Yeah, so Fairfax City, uh, we're located right near George Mason University Mm -hmm. at the end of the Orange Line, and it is a darling little town. I'd say we're small but mighty. We're about 26,000 people, and one of our um, great features is that we run our own restaurant week. So this year, it's our fifth year of having a restaurant week, Um, and the first time we're having a summer event. Mm -hmm. Um, It's running from August 29th through September 4th, and Nikki, like you suggested, Um, One of the great things about Fairfax City is that there's this incredible diversity of restaurants within like six or four square miles. Um, So happy to talk about some individuals to highlight or. Well, um, why don't we mention that Sunil Sunil Bestola is with us. He's the executive chef and co-owner of Bollywood Bistro, which is a restaurant in Fairfax City, but also the largest Indian cuisine caterer in the Mm mid-Atlantic. Hi. Welcome. Hi. How are you? So, Sunil, I mean, we were out there. We're walking around. My office used to be down 236, so I, you know, was always in Fairfax City. There's every kind of restaurant there imaginable. Almost every storefront is a restaurant. There's a Uyghur restaurant, for God's sake. I mean, it's every cuisine you can imagine. What led you to Fairfax City in the first place? Yeah. Uh, in the beginning, my partner, he was, you know, used to work in the Fairfax City a long time ago. And then he's always, you know, admired the Fairfax City, and he always wanted to open up a restaurant. But that time I was in Maryland. I lived in Maryland, Germantown. And he said that, okay, he wants to open up a restaurant in Fairfax City. And he said, he reached me out, and I said, okay. Um, and you were willing to cross the Iron Curtain is the, that is the Potomac River? to Right, because we don't do that very often. We're bad people. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. This is mostly in, because of my partner, you know, I jump into that. And what did you – so – what did you want to bring as far as the menu? How did you put it together? What did you want to serve to that community? Mostly, you know, we would like to serve the North Indian cuisine, which mm-hmm. is very rich, Mughlai, uh, you know, the cuisine. So it has a very different flavor, very rich. And, you know, especially the American people love that food mm-hmm. rather than having all the spicy, like Southern, Southern food are a little, little spicy. I mean, we do the, like spicy, just so you know. Yeah but, yeah, but we have a little bit of kick on it, but not that mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. We can handle it. But you wanted, <laughs> so you wanted to bring in dishes that people would be familiar with and that, so that you could be like a, a neighborhood restaurant. That's true. So let's talk about, like, what did you bring in today? Today I brought us some samosas. Mm-hmm. This is the, you know, one of the most selling uh, appetizers in the restaurant industry. Well, right. I'm halfway through Especially one. In it's good, but there's a, yeah. there is some kick there. Yeah, the we, uh, there are some kicks, but you know we you know we can let's vary the spices. Like we can make it milder, we can make it more spicy, and we can make it medium. But this is kind of medium. Mm-hmm. So you know, people you know whenever people come to the restaurant, they always think that you know they want to have some spices on it. So they don't want to do any mild food in the. When Indian people come in for the first time, are they like? I mean, do you have people that are just so so they're newbies? You know, what is Indian food, and what should I? To, you know, no, it's an educated customer. Know. Come it? on. Yeah, but uh, still, uh, we will have a lot of customers. They ask for the milder food, but you know, making the milder food for the Indian restaurant for the Indian chefs is a little tough because you know we can't do mild food because you know we have to integrate all the spices. Your nature, right? But yeah. there's a difference between spice and, and the heat, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think for people who may be a little uh, timid when it comes to cuisine from Northern India, um, that it's it's not hot. It's it's just the different layers of spices yeah. that are maybe not in traditional American cuisine. What I think is that, you know, once you add a whole bunch of spices on it, mm-hmm. if you don't add a little bit of heat on it, then, you know, that that spices would not, you know, bring, yeah, bring the flavor to the food. Mm. That's the reason we have to add some, you know, spiciness, the hotness in the food. But, in you know, this is a little... Outside the range of what we're talking about, the 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 historic influences on northern Indian food are pretty interesting because you've got the Turks and you've got the Persians 
There are a million Jews, actually, in Indian Jews who live there, and they're in the north. And so does that, I mean, does that, are those influences I'm going to say rep? something like I said earlier. There are Jews in India. There are Jews in India. There are a million <laughs> Jews in India out of, yeah, in, you know, out of 8 billion <laughs> Indians, by the way. But do, do all those influences, are you, you know, are you affected by that? Are yes, you influenced yes. by that? Yes, yes. You know, as you said, like, you know, it was a, before it was a British colony in that time, mm-hmm. you know, and they brought mm-hmm. some foods. And a lot of people, you know, they travel from uh, the spices come from the other side of the world. And, uh, the, you know, the most famous biryani, the rice cooked with the protein or vegetable, it came from the, you know, uh, like Turkey. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the food came from the other the Middle East. You know, there are so many, you know, because of the, you know, mixed ethnicity, mm-hmm. we got a, you know, different kind of food. There was that, that's why, you know, there are thousand, you know, dishes. In Indian restaurants. Wow. Right. Yeah. Well, and there's so many, uh, because India is so massive, there are so many different flavors and spices and things. I mean, how somebody cooks a samosa in one part of India is totally different yeah. than how somebody maybe even down the road cooks it, right? So I'm going to take us back to Kathleen because okay. we, you know, as much, I love Sunil and I love his food. We got to talk <laughs> about the other restaurants that are involved because this is a big deal. There are 26 restaurants that are offering restaurant week specials, correct? And what do the specials look like? There are, yes. So we have a few um, iterations of this. There are the classic prefix menus, $20 for lunch or $35 for dinner. But we also have some two for 10 deals, uh, two for $10 that allow you to explore some of the other sort of global kitchens and some of the more um, sort of snack and drink options in the city. So that might be Foundation Coffee, which is a new coffee roaster, Cameron's Coffee and Chocolates, um, which actually hires differently abled people um, to, you know, to make their food and to serve. Mm. Um, I love to actually love on Bollywood a little bit. My family has adored Bollywood since we moved to Fairfax in 09. They have uh, outdoor seating near a fountain. Sometimes there's live music out there. Look, Sunil was smiling. I guess you got his check or something. (laughs) (laughs) For your listeners who know Rasika in D.C. Mm -hmm. uh, with the flash fried spinach at Rasika, um, Bollywood does an ampalak chat that it's, you know, essentially the the same thing and it is fantastic it has mm. this great tamarind chutney gobi manchurian you know is an indo-chinese cauliflower favorite mm. um that goes to that sort of cross-cultural cross-border uh flavors melding um, and you can't miss their rosemary naan so bollywood is just fantastic well, we also well, have places like marvin uh, award-winning ramen but sorry i think you were going to say something well David. i just wanted to say bollywood bistro has their 13th anniversary coming up. You've got up. staying power. Right? What are you guys doing for that anniversary? Yeah. yeah. Yes, you. you we <laughs> are, you know, we are having a very special, uh, uh, you know, 13th anniversary. 13, 13 years coast. Yeah. is a big, a big deal. for deal. a restaurant. Yeah. Big deal. We, are, we opened in uh, August 2009. Mm-hmm. So I'm the only one in the room that was alive back then. <laughs> Except you. And then uh, I, I'm 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 doing a 13 course menu this time. Mm. So with a wine pairing, so we'll have a you know you know 13 small small appetizers to the you know and um, and we will end up with uh, some kind of you know nice homemade dessert. So you know people will enjoy all you know type of uh, of food mm-hmm. in that 13 course. So from you know northern Indian, southern Indian, and you know I'm trying to you know put everything together on that 13 course menu. So right. that way people can, you know, taste um, so many, you know, regional food from Excellent. the India. Well, we can't wait. That information will be on the list or you on it.com. Kathleen, tell everybody, please, where they can find all the info on Fairfax City Restaurant Week, how they can find out about all the restaurants. Give us the whole 411. Okay, so to get the list of restaurants, the cost, the dates, everything, Two great options. Mm-hmm. Website is www.fairfaxcityrestaurantweek.com. Mm-hmm. So super easy. And then on Instagram, it's at Fairfax City Restaurant Week. Excellent. Well, you can also go to the list, are you on it.com and see where Nikki is the face, the, the marketing one the, face. One of the faces. Of, of this <laughs> of event, course. too. Right, exactly. Kathleen, thanks so much for joining us today. And we can't wait to get out there and dig into all that deliciousness. So thanks so much. I had to give you the plug. We can't know. wait Thank to have you. you. Thanks. Plug, okay. plug, plug. All right, Mark. Todd, no, Todd Thrasher. Hey, are we going back to Todd? We go back to no, Todd for a quick. Todd, we're going to go back to you quickly. Just tell us what you're pouring next, and then we'll give you a nice little thing at the end. 
Fathoms Below. Fathoms Below. What's in it? Uh, rum. Thrasher's <laughs> Rum. Tiki TNT, Thrasher's Rum. Uh, Thrasher's Rum, cinnamon, uh, sugar, really a little good. bit of tequila, and lime juice. Yeah, okay. David, I made it. Oh, so it's just no, no, I know you. Showcasing the rum. You know what? You need to come out of yourself a little more. <laughs> I know. Your problem is you're shy. So Hold on, you need an umbrella, David. You're shy okay. and retiring. I wish you would retire. Here, let okay. me put that in. All right. All right. So Mark Hemback is general manager of Fireworks Cascades, Fireworks Pizza out in Sterling. And, I mean, this is a family-owned business that has, uh, not only do they make, they make pizza good enough for Mark to want to make this his career <laughs> from years ago, but they're also really embedded in the community, and that is something that not every restaurant does, uh, probably to their detriment, um, and they're really supportive. So, first of all, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Let's talk a little bit about your pizzas and what goes on there and, and about that community involvement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the brand is Fireworks Pizza. Um, we The brand started about 10 years ago um, out in Leesburg, Virginia, um, with the first location. Oh, actually, I'm sorry, not 10 years ago. You know, time's flying by. It's been 16 years now. The second location wow, opened up. six years up, just went by like uh, that. Just like that. Oh, just like that. Morning. Second location opened up in Arlington about 10 years ago, and then we opened up one in uh, Sterling in, in Cascades about three years ago now. And uh, the brand's really all about, you know, it's a family-owned and operated restaurant. Um, I, you know, I work closely with the owners, the family, um, so that, that kind of sense of uh, uh, familial kind of community involvement has always been part of the restaurant group. Yeah, but I read your bio. There must be something about this particular pizza that that you guys make that made you – I mean, you've dedicated your life to it. Absolutely. And, you know, I've, I've worked in a, a bunch of different industries, and I just keep always coming back to hospitality. And this brand specifically and this pizza specifically, we were talking earlier, you know, my, my family's from Italy, so we spend a lot of time over there, and it's kind of in our in our DNA. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about what's happening. I don't want to take a quick break. I know, Well, you have no choice. Oh. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis talking to Mark Hemback of Fireworks Cascades, a great pizza store. Mm -hmm. um, and Mark is half Italian, so you're, you know, <laughs> so I'm already 50% in your corner. Mark, and how people, like, how people engage in the concept. Absolutely. So the concept, it's a wood-fired pizza um, mm -hmm. Pizza restaurant. Um, we use um, kiln dried uh, Tennessee white oak um, to, to burn, and we make um, it's a really simple flour recipe. It's kind of a cross between a Neapolitan style pizza and more traditional American style pizza. So it's not a super thin crust, not a super thick crust. Get the nice char from the uh, from the wood, which is really where a lot of the flavor is. Because mm -hmm. um, Neapolitan is kind of soupy. That's yeah, sort of, exactly. And, and also, you're drifting away flat from as that. A board, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So you get a little bit more rise, you get a little bit more of that, a little bit more crunch and a little bit more flavor, and you don't get that, your classic kind of sloppy margarita Drippy, pizza. yeah. Exactly, yeah. It's a little, bit, uh, a little bit more firm than that, but the flavors are all great, and we use a lot of you know local ingredients and that kind of stuff. And it really started with just trying to find unique flavor combos. Well, are you sourcing from special places? Yeah, so we, we are. We work with a lot of local farmers. Um, we like, for instance, all of our pork products we get from Baker's Farm. Mm -hmm. It's a farm right outside Harrisonburg, Virginia. Mm. Um, they do deliveries once a week, so we get like our Virginia country ham, which is nice and thick, almost like Canadian bacon, and our Italian sausage, and all that fun warning, stuff. Warning to all pigs, avoid this farm. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, we did a little field trip up there once, and the pigs are adorable, um, but they... Uh, it's amazing. Pork Just don't products. name them. You That's don't know. You don't get attached. That was the first thing they told us. Actually, right, don't get attached. Yeah. So we do pizza. We do. We make homemade pasta. I mean, we do a lot more than just pizza. Mm -hmm. We offer bottomless brunch on the weekends. Are but they Italian? Is, what we're is known the family for. Italian? They're actually not. You know, that's and that's the beauty of America, right? You know, you can have. You know all these influences and stuff. They're, um, I believe, you know, Irish. Um, well, how did this happen? I mean, so they, they just they opened up a restaurant maybe thirty, a little over thirty years ago, Tuscarora Mill out in Leesburg, mm -hmm. um, and it was kind of one of the first kind that. of big restaurants yeah. out there. And then they um, Tuskies, found right? Tuskies, Tuskies, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we're part of the Tuskies restaurant group. Mm -hmm. And then they found this um, old train depot um, that they, when they moved and built Market Station, it um, they decided, you know, I think they took a company trip to Italy um, when they were kind of opening up their second concept. Mm -hmm. Let's do that. Exactly right. I know, and I came on board after that, unfortunately. But they um, nobody said you were smart, Mark. Just they did good. not. Okay. Timing wasn't great, but they uh, they did a trip out there and they kind of fell in love with Neapolitan style pizza and they kind of took it back here and put their own spin on it. That's amazing. And so now now that the restaurant's there, and they're kind of known for finding unique real estate spaces, yes. right? I mean, yes. it's sort of like in their DNA. Exactly, yeah. Um, and so now that you're there and you're executing the menu, how big's the space? 
So the space, we're, um, we're kind of a nice, um, a medium sized restaurant. We, we can sit about 150 to 200 inside. So it's, it's not overwhelmingly big, but it's nice and airy. It's got tall ceilings. So we're in uh, a newer uh, shopping center. It's called the Cascades Overlook mm-hmm. uh, Plaza out there. And um, it's a decent sized space. We have two little patio areas outside and a beautiful a 30 seat bar, big U-shaped bar. It's wonderful. That's great. So we got just enough space. Um, you know, the original location, like you said, it's a, a unique kind of uh, mm-hmm. uh, space and it's a lot, you know, smaller being an old train depot. We have a little bit more room and a little bit more. Talk about the how they 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 do good things in the community. Well, they yeah. do a lot of programming. Yes. So let's talk about your program. And that's always, that's always really important for us. So, um, you know, the community side of it um, is, I'm from Sterling. I grew up there. I currently live in Leesburg right now. So I think, you know, the, the Tuskies restaurant group has always kind of practiced what they preach. Being a, The community has been so good to us. It's our duty to be good to them is, is kind of how we look at it. And service, you know, great hospitality and service doesn't just end at the dining room table. Mm-hmm. It extends into the community. Um, and if to be kind of that one of those pillars in the community boy, is really important to us. You're a good representative yeah, of you this are. group. Give this boy a raise. <laughs> um, but what do you, what, like, give us some specifics. What do you guys do? Yeah, so I, we work with all the local schools. So, um, you know, the high school I went to, Potomac Falls High School, Dominion High School, the elementary schools, the middle schools. We do fundraisers, PTA, PTO nights. We do, uh, take out, uh, we do take out Tuesdays with the school every month where we donate uh, the, some of the proceeds back to the schools to fund you know their music departments, whether it's the oh, sponsoring the football teams. We sponsor you local know, music sports programs leagues. in particular are suffering around the country. Absolutely, the funding gets poor. There are some brain dead legislators that don't realize but it's how important. Really, I mean, so I think given the pandemic, it was so hard for restaurants yes. to sort of bounce back and have that charitable arm that people sort of expect from them. I mean, I'm sure you get calls all the time. I know I do. People yeah. are like, "Hey, I'm doing a charity. Do you think you can call some of those restaurants and get a gift card?" Right. And I'm always like. You know that's money, right? Like, so how are you guys able? Everybody just thinks it's so easy for restaurants to just give, give food, give money, give everything. Right. So how are you guys able to do that? Still be an incredible partner in the community, but also have a business. Well, well Nikki, to your point, um, I think the pandemic was actually good um, for the local community's understanding of how restaurants really work and operate. The extraordinarily some people. Some people. Some I mean, people. we've we, we've been very fortunate. Um, our, most of our guests have have kind of picked it up a little bit, but you know, you think of a business and you just always oh, yeah they they can afford this and that, but the margins, as we all know, are razor thin. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of you know obstacles I think we in the have way. To come up with a new terminology. I feel like razor thin has been so overused <laughs> that people don't even know what that means. Right. It's like right. The margins How about are the not existent. They're, they're almost I mean, non-existent. They're, yeah. They're two to three. I, I think the la- when I was in, the last time I saw the numbers, the average restaurant was about. Two to five percent, yeah, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. The good ones, fifteen percent, are the really good ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's you know most businesses, you're twenty twenty percent and up in other industries. So um, we were very fortunate. Our guests were were. We've always been so uh, involved in the community that the minute that you know the pandemic started, they showed it right back to us. Oh, I love we that. started a GoFundMe to help with some of our. Um, we were very fortunate. We didn't have to lay anybody off, but we got uh, over twenty thousand dollars in donations from the local community. Mm-hmm. To help pay for hours that, that got reduced. That's called like paying that. it forward no, and getting paid back Sometimes when you give, you get. All right, we have to wrap up. Just tell us quickly about Yappy Hours because we got to move on. Yeah, we're all dog lovers um, at, at, in the restaurant group. So we do a uh, Pups in the Patio. Mm-hmm. We have a dog. You do uh, not need to pull up our dog's I'm going to show him. <laughs> Please, come on. He's got to wrap we, up. We offer, um, show him after the show. We no. offer um, a dog menu um, uh-huh. daily. So you can get that any day. We offer homemade biscuits, meatballs, chicken, all unseasoned, oh, adorable, all <laughs> uh, all unseasoned and healthy and good for dogs. Um, but on um, every Monday we do a yappy hour, mm-hmm. so it's three to seven. If you bring your dog for the yappy hour, you get an extra hour of happy hour pricing. So five dollar uh-huh. cocktails, half Cute. price drafts, and then um, you're making my tail wag. <laughs> I, I saw, yeah. Okay, so, tell everybody please where they can find you uh, online and in the real world. And in the real world, absolutely. So online at Fireworks Pizza Cascades on Instagram, uh, Facebook, all the social media, mm-hmm. the website fireworkspizza.com back, uh, slash Cascades. Okay, all right, great. all right, Mr. Thrasher. Uh, what better way to end a show than with the shy and retiring? Todd, Todd Thrasher. Thrasher. Retiring. So, Todd, tell I us what we but... haven't, we've been talking all about your rums, yeah. but we haven't really talked about your property at the wharf, TNT. Tiki TNT. Tiki TNT. What um, do you have going on there? Uh, well, 
August 16th is National Rum Day, so we're going to mm-hmm. drink some rum on August 16th. Uh-huh. We're going to do a Happy Hour Daiquiris all day, half-price Thrasher's Rum Tastings all day, and generally just have fun. So you know? like do you give tours we do. of the distillery? Yeah, so, so like, tours, if somebody comes, are, uh, explain it. Tuesday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Do you need an appointment? Uh, yeah, we're if you just go to the website and make an appointment at thrashersrum.com, or you can just walk in. We do no more than 10 at a time. We do it every half an hour, starting on the half an hour. Oh. Okay, and how long? So is it just a half hour? To 15, like... 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah, so you get a tour, you get to talk to me or Justin, and you get a cocktail at the and, end. Yeah, I was going to ask about the freebie at the yeah. end. No, no, and let's if talk you're nice. about... <laughs> and let's talk about the location because you do have a menu. It's not just rum. I mean, yeah. So a we have restaurant. a f- we're full full blown restaurant. Chef Steve Kim. We just had the Burger Battle of DC. He just won oh, uh, last him. week. So we have a full menu. You know, obviously we're Polynesian inspired, Polynesian inspired mm-hmm. uh, neighborhood restaurant. I just want to be a bar. Say. We're just a bar, right? Right. Just a bar, right? But with a but, lot of good food. But, yeah, but you're on three the levels, wharf, right three on levels, the water. three patios. All the bars are indoor, outdoor. It is a, I, I, it is escapism. You come there and you escape from what is Washington D.C. Um, just possible. for a second, mm. can we just delve into tiki for a second? Because yeah. that, not dissimilar from rum, that also did get bastardized a bit. How are you bringing back sort of real traditional? Tiki drinks that are fresh and good. So real traditional tiki drinks, right? What right. is that? It was made by a white guy in the in the in the fifties, right? So I, I do tiki drinks. I Trader do our Vic. own tiki drinks. Yeah, it was it was made by you know Don the Beachcomber and Trader Vic. So right. yeah, I mean that's what we do. You know, one of the things that I've always done is use real ingredients, right? No sugar. I mean, no fake sugar. No. Mm-hmm. Daily sour mix, no bottled prefab stuff. We just do it all ourselves. Yeah. Great. So that's why the drinks are all so right. fresh yeah. and great. He's we got go. a wrap. He's got one more drink one more. left. You're going to drink a zombie, us? David. Right now, it's going to put you on your butt. Excellent. All right. Wait, Ty, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, so, uh, at Thrasher's Rum on Instagram, at Tiki T and T on Instagram, at Todd Thrasher on Instagram, at Todd Thrasher, <laughs> at Todd Thrasher, whatever, Todd Thrasher, at Todd Thrasher. Thrasher's Rum. Right. Go buy Thrasher's Rum and come to Tiki T and T. Excellent. I don't right, know if right. I want to be put on my butt. I had a colonoscopy yesterday, <laughs> okay. but okay. Um, I'm going to just say one thing very quickly. Hurry. Guys, this is the, the the drum I pound. Do not forget the Ukrainians. That war is going to go on for a long time. Don't mm-hmm. get tired of. Don't let Trump and all that other stuff get in the way. Open up your wallets. Open up your pocketbooks. Open up your everything. It's a dollar. It's five dollars to help Ukrainian refugees uh, because they are in a deep spot. Okay, and we want to thank all of our guests for joining us in studio and online today. Uh, for everything you heard here today and what what else is going on around the D.C. metro area, go to the thelistareyouonit.com, the online, online e-scene that tells you about everything happening here and all around the D.C. metro area. Of course, you want to listen to Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis. I'm constantly having amazing conversations about what's happening in and around the D.C. area. And you want to follow me on social media at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You'll find out all the delicious things I'm eating and what else I'm up to. So we want to thank our guests again. And everybody, take your kindness pills. It's a little crazy out there, especially with restaurant weeks coming up. Just remember, there are staffing shortages. There are lots of other shortages. Everybody just take a deep breath and enjoy. Have a delicious week. 